This is Tom Trebojevic, fullback for the Manly Ringer Seagulls, and you're listening to the Supercoach Champions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions Podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. It's Dally M week or night or two nights or whatever the hell they're doing this year as there's just two more weeks of footy left in what has seemed like the season that would never end. Here to talk us through it as well as why Anthony Milford is now South's problem, it's Wilf. Hey, how's it going, Joe? It's, uh, yeah, well, look, first and foremost, uh, yeah, on the Milford thing, I've been a big fan for a long time, but certainly not uh, understand the allegations. But if they are even in the slightest bit true, consider me officially off the bandwagon. Uh, I'm off Milford Island already. And now the Broncos have put out a statement pretty much just trying to wash their hands like Pontius Pilate. They've ditched him basically. Yeah. <laughs> he's fulfilled the Broncos' contractual duties. And he's on leave, like gardening leave, basically. So it's uh, funny how, yeah, that didn't last long. <laughs> we don't, we don't know who this Tony Mumford is, <laughs> but he's not contracted to us. No, and I guess if it's true, I doubt he'll be contracted to the Rabbitohs either. So, yeah, well, well his, his manager denies it. So yeah, well, it'll come out in the wash. I, I, I assume. I guess he's. Uh, He's entitled to the presumption of innocence, given that uh, he's, you know, his managers very strongly come out and denied that, you know, that it was a, de- you know, that kind of domestic situation that's been reported. So yes, but as uh, you said, not the Broncos' problem anymore, regardless. That's right, and not not my problem either. The the Milford trooper that I am uh, have been for a long time. I don't have to worry about that anymore. So let's move on. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, so as you pointed out, it is the Dally M's. Well or halfway through it. I don't even actually know when the second half of it's meant to be, but it's all kind of, I mean, I don't know why they've decided to do it this way. It's just insane to split it in half and to, I, I don't know. What do you, what's your take on it? Well, just like, you know, what Peter Valenis has done since he's taken over as chairman, uh, he's looked at a problem and his solution is to fix the thing that's not a problem with it. Yeah, there's a lot of issues with the Dalliums, the scoring being a major one, the judging, a whole range of issues. But one issue that there wasn't was the fact that it was on a single night and, uh, you know, rugby league media could descend in the same room as all the players and and celebrate, you know, some of the best players our game's got. Um, It's uh, really the only coverage I've kind of seen of it has been people just baffled as to why they've made this decision which is a little bit like uh, six again for the 10 metres, mate. That's it. And I knew the first, you know, the first night, I knew it was on, but honestly, you know, we've we've probably not spoken about it on the podcast, but I've, I've complained multiple times how flawed the whole voting system is, how the Dallium award itself, you know, it's nice. It's, it's prestigious in terms of the title itself, but it doesn't actually go to the best player of the season. It just often goes to the best player in a bad team who every time that team wins, they get three votes. Yes. And, you know, not not that I don't love Roger Tuovasa-Shek, but he's a prime example of that. And plus Jack, Jack Whiten in 2020, both guys who played for teams where there wasn't really anyone else standing up. So anytime that team won, even if they were like a, you know, a middle-of-the-road kind of six to eighth type team, 
uh, they'd still get enough votes to be obviously up the pointy end or eventually take out the Daly M for that year. Oh, well, whisper it quietly, but Jason Tamalola. <laughs> um, you know, obviously he is past his peak now, but even when he was at his peak, um, you know, as great a player as he could be on his day, um, he was hot and cold and benefited from being in a pretty poor team and the outstanding star. So it's not just the three points you know, almost automatically if they get the win, it's the it's the one and two points if they lose closely and uh, and people want to kind of give a nod to someone else on the other team. The go-to is the... The Tamalolos, the Roger Tuivasa Sheks, all of that kind of stuff. And, yeah, there's lots of different flaws, but what are we going to do about it? Well, not much, except we're just going to put up our own awards show, our own awards night, so to speak, on our podcast. It's the Champions. It's a very bad pun, but what are you going to do about it? We're here. And similarly to the, I guess, the Dalliums, we're going to go through a voting system as well. But uh, while we have a lot of time and we've wasted a lot to put this together, uh, when I describe the voting system, you'll just roll your eyes and shake your head. But we don't quite have the time to go 3-2-1 in every single game, every single round. Uh, what we've done instead is to go position by position and we've allocated the top five scores per position, per round, um, votes from you know five down to one. So basically the top scoring player of that position, score to five, so on and so forth. So we've done that and... I guess you could say in, in some respects, and, and you know, not to spoil anything too much, there are some similar type, uh, I don't know, discrepancies maybe about that same scoring system, which we've obviously borrowed from the Dalliums itself. But yeah, it's a couple of interesting ones and we'll work through them. But let's kick off our Champions for 2021. Yeah, I uh, know. It, it, the drop is probably more fancy than the award itself. So what are you going <laughs> to do? I, I almost wanted music to play off that intro. It was so long, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's, um, you know, if you had the drop board and you could actually control it, then maybe you could do that next time. But until then, I'm, I'm here and I'm the one controlling the Challenge accepted. All right, let's kick it off. Halfback. Uh, it's an interesting position because I think, you know, I know a lot, a lot of the other podcasts have done that, you know, top awards for the season and things like that. But I think a lot of people would have assumed, you know, it's Nathan Cleary and or bust. But, uh, you know, I think it's interesting. We worked through round by round. You know, the fact is it came down to a couple of key names that wouldn't surprise anybody. I'll let you guess. What would you say would be the uh, other couple of names in the mix there, aside from Nathan Cleary for this award? It's interesting because coming into it, I would have assumed that the scoring really valued or overvalued rocks and diamonds players, <clears throat> um, which you know led me to think of a Mitchell Moses or or something like that. But I would say the probably the usual suspects, your DCEs, your Jerome Hughes's, um, would probably be kind of two or three as far as I see it. Yeah, and I think the funny thing is, is when you mentioned the Rocks and Diamonds players, uh, Mitch Moses is certainly a name that comes to mind. But when we work through our scoring system, and look, I'll be first to say that it's it's a little bit hard because there's a lot of dual positions in the halves and five eights, and there's a lot of random you know, halfback slash five-eighth options that just score big for one week. So we tried to balance it out between halfback and five-eighth so it's not just skewed all in one favour and kind of tried to do it by where, you know, someone like uh, Tyson Gamble 
uh, who was fairly well owned at some stages of the season. But a lot of people had him at 5.8, so we put him in the 5.8 category rather than putting him in halfback. The top nominees for the halfback position, Nathan Cleary, surprise, surprise. Uh, we've got Daly Terry Evans, as you pointed out, Jerome Hughes, Sam Walker, and Cody Nicarima out of the blue. <laughs> wow. Well, rocks and diamonds, Nicarima and Sam Walker, of course. I can't believe I didn't think of them. And plus the fact that both of those guys ended up benched for a, a <laughs> good portion of the year. When I worked through it, I was actually blown away. But but working backwards, we've got Cody Nicarima on 23 votes uh, in fifth position. Sam Walker on 26. We've got Jerome Hughes on 34. And then runner-up, Daily Cherry Evans on 46. And obviously, no surprises, the winner was Nathan Cleary with 53 across the season. So that's all. All 25 rounds. Obviously, Cleary only played 16 games and DCE did play 22. So for him to still win by seven votes over DCE, I think that just shows really how dominant Cleary was and how consistent he was at that halfback position. So no surprises. I think we all knew that was going to be the, the award there. But some of the other names there really were quite surprising. In the mix there, Ben Hunt, honorable honorable mention, and Luke Brooks actually had twenty two, but oh, so wow. just one. And Cody Nicarima, I, I I was shocked when I looked at it. All right, halfbacks done. Let's move on to the next position. So I guess I'll lead by uh, asking you the same question um, when it comes to elite hookers, and even with this scoring uh, methodology, mate, who were the standouts that you think will, will finish pretty high in the uh, champions? Look, I think uh, the, the, the usual suspects will stand out. So the likes of you know, Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, I think Damien Cook had some massive games in there as well, even though he may have been a little bit disappointing. But I think just even thinking about it, you know, guys like uh, Victor Radley probably wouldn't factor in because he didn't play very many games. But the fact that he was eligible there might, might skew some of the votes and, and take away votes from other players. Honestly, it's hard. I can't even think of five that would be relevant. I mean, maybe throw in the likes of, I um, even Coruscant got hurt as well and didn't play that many games. No, I'm pretty stumped. I actually think coming into it, I just thought it was going to be between a, a two-horse race between the two Storm Hookers, actually. Yeah, well, Coruscant, I will let you in on a secret Coruscant. Yes, he was injured for parts of the year, not even in the top 10. So, yes, he uh, had a mere seven votes, I believe. Oh, 12 votes, sorry. I was looking at Sam Barrels. Um, so we do actually have a tie for fifth, but we do have one of those Smokies in at six, which I found very interesting because he's a bit of a rocks and diamonds hooker. Reese Robson uh, had 25 votes uh, at sixth. Tied for fifth, two very popular super coach options, Jaden Braley and Reed Marnie on 31. Just looking through this scoring, Jaden Braley's first 10 rounds was just blistering. He was more than double the score of any other hooker uh, after the first 10 rounds. In uh, third position, because they were uh, tied on fifth, is Harry Grant. And surely you would think if he played anything like a full year, he would have won it. But 39 points, bit of a gap there. Damien Cook on 42 with all his scoring at the start and end of the year. And, of course, you know, the cheese, Brandon Smith, a bloke who I didn't own all year because I thought the scoring had to stop at some point. He'd come back to earth. He, he certainly didn't, and he, and he ran away with 49 votes. So he's the champion hooker of the year. Yeah, look, I think, you know, well-deserved. He had a fantastic season. and It was great to see him actually play well at hooker. 
I know there was a lot of chat in previous years. And I had some people say like they didn't want their club to chase Brandon Smith as a hooker. And I just thought that was really short-sighted. You know, when he came, when he first came onto the scene, he was a gun. He played for the New Zealand national team and he was so good when they beat Australia. And I just think because he was the wrong weight, like, and he was asked to play that kind of lock forward role for the Storm, a lot of people wrote him off when he had to fill in at hooker when, you know, someone else was injured or Smith, uh, Cam Smith, that is, obviously, you know, was off playing Origin or whatever it would, would have been at the time. I just think he was a really, really good player and he had the chance to show that this year and he was looking, you know, the right weight uh, as a hooker and he got to demonstrate how how good he was running the ball and obviously once he gets the ball close to the line, just that tenacity he has to burrow over. Uh, I know the, the nickname for him is Hectic Cheese these days, but he used to be called the Wombat and you can really tell the way he tries to burrow in there and score those tries where he might have gotten that one from. But yeah, look, he had a fantastic season. Like, I wasn't surprised that he took it out, basically. <laughs> Fair enough. So next uh, Champions category 5-8, mate, um, where did this land? Yeah, so this was an interesting one. And when I first looked at it, I was like, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty obvious outcome. But some of the other names that came up in there uh, were, were really quite interesting. So, look, there were five clear-cut nominees in the end. Jerome Luai, Cam Munster. Adam Dwayhe, Matt Burton, and of course, Cody Walker. So the names aren't that surprising. And just a couple of honorable mentions here. We also had Scott Drinkwater with 23 votes and also Connor Watson, who we've made 5-8 eligible because most of us had him there, also on 24 votes. So quite surprising how both of them polled quite well. And obviously Drinkwater, I, I don't think anyone owned him all season. Just because you know he was so he's so hard to trust as a super coach option because he's got zero base, and uh, you know he just had these spike games every now and then. And similar to like a M, he polls well when he has a great game, and he takes takes home a couple of votes there. That's really interesting. And I did we kind of before we even started tallying the votes, I tipped that uh, Adam Dway he might be a dark horse in this one because he had some absolutely massive games. So very interest, interested to see where he lands. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in, in fifth, we had Jerome Luai on 27 votes. And surprise, surprise, most of the votes were in the first half of the season and then just disappeared for most of the year and then popped up a couple of uh, rounds at the end there when obviously he came back into relevance right towards the end. In fourth, we had Matt Burton uh, on 30 votes. And I think that's reflective, even though he played center for most of the year. You know, obviously he was halfback and 5'8 dual and a lot of people had him, and it was, I was surprised how high his ownership got at some stages in the year. But, yeah, he was very solid. In third, we had Cam Munster on 31 votes. So, again, very surprising because, obviously, a lot of people still thought Munster was disappointing this year. And, you know, maybe because of the position he was at, yeah, he was a little bit disappointing relative to, to the other two names here. And, obviously, your dark horse, Adam Duehi, on 45 votes coming in as uh, the runner-up. Runner Mm. Uh, fantastic year and I think it would be interesting to see how he would have gone had he stayed at 5-8 all season rather than having to you know spend some time in the centers there and obviously getting injured towards the end just when he was really heating up and having you know a, a barnstorming finish to the season but Cody Walker 61 votes and I think it just shows how dominant he was at the 5-8 position over and above 
you know, everybody else except Dwayhe, basically. So I know a lot of people had that Cody Walker, Adam Dwayhe combo at 5'8 to end the season. And, you know, it would have been a really smart choice had you lined them up um, and obviously played both each week because they both had really, really strong finishes to the year up until Dwayhe got injured. So, yeah, very interesting uh, how those points were scored for Cody Walker. You know, he did have a couple of games, in fact, eight rounds where he scored zero points. So he wasn't in the top five, five eights for that round. And that's, you know, eight out of 22, possibly. Uh, and then you've got Dwayhe, who also had uh, 12 rounds with zero points, but also, you know, some of that Matt Senna and uh, obviously had a season cut short too. And he had 20 games for his 45 votes. So could very easily have um, been much closer had there been a couple more games there for Dwayhe at 5'8". So, yeah, really interesting. Anyway, let's keep it moving. The next category for the champions, let's look into the forwards again. Tell us about the back row. So this is where it starts to get a bit wild and woolly. The uh, the first three categories really only kind of had about, you know, 16 to, to 18 kind of viable players at the position because, you know, both in Supercoach and in real life, there's only one, uh, you know, halfback hooker 5'8". Second row started to get a bit wild and woolly. So I'm just scrolling down. There were 54 players um, registered at least one point, according to our scoring system. And look, <laughs> there definitely were some su- surprising players. Um, really didn't kind of rate much uh, at all. Josh Curran, very, very popular pick um, kind of from the midway point of the of the year on actually only ranked in the points over two weeks um, and that was in round 21 and 22 so he did uh, get the, the top score uh, for back rowers in those two weeks so finished on 10 points but well well out of the running and uh, Ryan Madison even though he you know had had some injury troubles through the year Similarly to Curran, only polled in two of the rounds um, and finished on 10 points as well. CHN, very popular and a player that hit a purple patch, only scored uh, over two weeks on top of that. So, um, but without further ado, mate, pretty common names, but a clear winner. But in fifth spot, interestingly enough, Viliami Kikau, but only on 15 points, just to give you an indication of how spread uh, the point scoring was. On 16 points, would have probably polled higher uh, if he didn't uh, get injured for the season, Tohu Harris. And in third was a big smoky, and I don't think anyone would have guessed this in the top five, Satili Tupanua, uh, 17 points in third. And a little uh, bit more clear, Angus Crichton, second with 21 points, but in a massive 39 points, almost double. The second place player was David Fafita. Yeah, look, I think there was no surprises for guessing that David Fafita was going to take this one out. You know, he had that real hot start to the season. And, you know, basically I would, I guess he would have polled points pretty much every single week for a while. And then you think about, obviously, Angus Crichton played the whole season. He had a number of good weeks too, so I could certainly see him coming second. After the, the those two, it was really a crapshoot. I, I honestly couldn't have thought of who was going to be there. And, but I'm still I'm very surprised at Satili Tufanua. Uh, I know he had some decent weeks at the start of the season, but he really faded. And, you know, come end of season, he was pretty much irrelevant, playing some center at the time. And, yeah, just 
really low work rate and I can't blame him. He's a young guy and obviously it's a long season and tiring when you're asked to carry so much workload because of injuries all, all over the shop. But yeah, like I think it just shows how much uh, it was a battle um, in that position all season. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how next year we're going to have to attack that. But obviously that's a, that's a different episode. We'll have to plan that one later. <laughs> it, it is, it is. And just an honourable mention as well to uh, Hamale Olakuatu finishing in sixth on 13 points ahead of the likes of Tamalolo, uh, ahead of Cam Murray, players players like that. So, you know, he came on really strong towards the end of the year, probably priced in that awkward kind of not premium but, um, you know, not, not cheap range for next year. But um, people... And there were a few um, that got on him towards the end of the year, did pretty well. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. I, uh, you know, obviously I was a year early on Homole. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I got sucked in last year off the back of Tommy Turbo, gave him a big rap and picked him as one of my cheapies only for him to play one game and disappear for most of a year. So yeah, thanks Tommy. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was fantastic this year and looked really strong and it'll be interesting to see you know, maybe he is one of those options we can consider because he, he really built into the season and then obviously had a had a hot finish as well. So, all right, let's take a quick break. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. It's back to school time, finishing off the school year one last term. We want to make sure that you pack the essentials to have strong finish to the school year. The Manscaped fourth generation performance package is just that. Be ready for whatever is in the daily schedule for you. It's the perfect package for your package. That includes the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Fellas, go for the valedictorian of ball trimming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using code CHAMPIONS. Talking about school really reminds me of uh, high school days when... And I've shared this before, how I got my nickname of Catfish. And honestly, if we had something like Manscaped back then, I would have been a lot more conscious of male hygiene and also about keeping things tidy, trimming those whiskers. Unfortunately, I didn't. I never really touched the whiskers up top and hence my nickname. That's enough about the past. We're talking here about Manscaped and Performance Package 4.0. Manscaped are here to teach the boys a lesson on male hygiene. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weird Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, and you get two free gifts, the Performance Boxer Briefs and the Shared Travel Bag. All this stuff is brand new, cutting-edge technology. Every product I've had the privilege of trying from Manscaped has been absolutely top-notch, good quality stuff. Yeah, look, there's not much else we can really do. Just give it a go. Try it out and you'll see what we're saying. It's not just lip service. From trimming, cleaning, all of that type of stuff, even the post care, all of it is top notch. You know, there's not much else I can say, like I said. And Manscaped right now, they're throwing two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0. Those boxes, we've raved about them. I bought them myself separately. And the Chev travel bags, so you can travel in style. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. This year, graduate with a degree in clean balls from Manscaped. Centre wing, mate, if I thought second row was a bit the wild, wild west, I can only assume that centre wing would be a bit of a crazy um, scoring system as well. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this was the hardest position for me to obviously do. And, you know, as, as obviously you can imagine with so much variance, the fact that we have to play four centre wings and just purely the fact that there's so much randomness all over the place. 
if you look at 5'8 and halfback, there was maybe 27 or so players who polled votes in the halfback position. And at 5'8, there was about 26, no, 25. At center wing, <laughs> there were 63. So <laughs> not fun. And yeah, a lot of them basically, you know, they'd have one flash week and then they might only have one point or two points or three points and that was it. There's, they only had one round where they posted a top five score. So look, this is a this is an interesting one. Who would your top five picks uh, for for centre wing be? Uh, look, I think Ruben Garrick, Brian To'o were the standout uh, super coach players. Um, Alex Johnson probably a smoky given that he had that incredible run through there. Um, I'm kind of not sure. It, it might be Jordan Rapana, um, and I know that technically a lot of his big scores kind of came at fullback. They would probably be. I know it's not going to be Daniel Tupo because I owned him for half the year and he and he stunk the place up. Val Holmes maybe. I'd like it to be Justin Olam, but I think he was much more the slow and steady centre wing option. So I'd suggest it's probably out of that lot. Yeah, look, you certainly uh, had a number of those names there that are in the mix. There, it's interesting you brought up Jordan Rappina, who had uh, nine votes, and then you slandered Daniel Tupo, who had eight votes. Very close in terms of voting. Well, anyway. the difference, mate. Well, the difference. It just shows how flawed the system is. But let's let's move forward. A couple of other interesting ones, uh, not quite honourable mentions, but Blake Ferguson with nine votes as well, considering he missed a whole chunk of the year, uh, not being in first grade, and and also with injury as well. We also had Joey Manu on nine votes, which is a huge shock to me. I thought he'd be well up there, but I guess you know the. Some of the things we valued about him late in season was his high floor and high involvement, but just no attacking opportunities. So he'd pump out solid 50, 60, 70 point scores, but not, you know, top five center wing score for the week. Uh, a real funny one that I thought was uh, really interesting. Uh, Jermaine Asako polled 12 votes, despite not really being in the Broncos team for that much of the year. He had a sneaky good start to the year, though. I remember he was pretty much my final cut out of my team probably, you know, a few hours before round one kicked off. And after kind of four or five weeks, I actually thought I might trade him in and admit defeat, and then obviously promptly he got dropped. <laughs> but um, from a super coach perspective, he was scoring pretty well. Yeah, and, and you're, you're spot on there because round two, round three were his two – strong starts and and in fact round three he had the highest score of all center wings and then in round eight he popped up again and scored the highest score of all center rings center wings um that was his amazing game against the titans where he pretty much single-handedly um, won the game for the broncos so yeah between three rounds all season he managed to pull 12 votes so <laughs> very interesting there. and then so the top five uh, nominees we've got here Brian Toto, obviously, no surprises there. Ruben Garrick, Josh Adokar, Nico Hines, and Alex Johnston. So I thought I was I was really surprised. I, I honestly thought Dan Gaga would be there. And yeah, he he missed out. In fifth, we had Josh Adokar on 15 votes. I think it just speaks to how spread out the the votes were that fifth is only 15. And I just laughed about the psycho having 12. And then we had Brian Toto in fourth. That was shocking wow, to me. that is low. I, I, I honestly thought him or Garrick, and, and I may have chosen To'o just given how dynamic he was. Yeah, 17 votes there, and he had obviously around 25, 
he polled five votes. And in round four, he also polled five votes. But outside of that, he only, um, you know, was fourth or fifth highest scorer on a couple of other rounds. And he was very often, you know, obviously I'm working through each round, I'm looking at it, and his name's around the sixth, seventh, eighth, so sometimes, you know, top 15. So he's very consistently up there, just uh, never really had the top five week too often. So, yeah, I was quite surprised. And, you know, obviously he might have done better if he had not missed those uh four or five weeks towards the end of the season. But yeah, certainly I was shocked to see him at fourth. Then we did have a tie for uh, third, I guess you could say, both Nico Hines and Alex Johnston on 21 votes each. So I think, again, Hines obviously real hot part in the middle of the season. He had three weeks in a row. He was top second and then top 14 votes alone right there for Hines. And obviously Johnston had his huge spike week. So Every time he polled, he was either putting up five votes or four votes, and then he had one round where he was the third highest scorer. So there was never really a fourth or fifth highest score for Alex Johnston. So that certainly explained his scoring. And then, you know, no surprises, Ruben Garrick, what a season he had. Uh, finished on 35 votes, and, you know, and he was a, a real mixed bag. He had four weeks where he was the highest scoring center wing. And a couple of those weeks, he outscored, obviously, Tommy Turbo as well. So, you know, it's it's no mean feat to be able to do that, let alone lead all the center wings across the whole of Supercoach on multiple weeks. So, yeah, really fantastic season there for Rubes. Yeah, it's going to be hard to work out what to do next year, that's for sure. But it'll be interesting to see what strategies everyone takes away for this season. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting. I think I was pretty clear in saying that my strategy, and I and I don't plan to really deviate from it, is to really, you know, steer hard into pods to start the year. And um, again, you know, it's the Brett Morrises and and the and other guys like that in the centre wing that really kind of made a huge difference with their big start to the year. So I'll probably be looking at a couple of high priced, kind of very low ownership pods. Um, and we'll see how that shakes out kind of, you know, throughout preseason. Yeah, certainly. I think the center wing is going to be a critical position, just like it was this year towards the back end of the season as well. Look, take us to the forwards again, front row forward. Who do we have here for our nominees? Oh, lots and lots of nominees. Um, and, and it was really, really interesting just looking at this chart kind of, you know, on the left with round 21 through to round 26. And, and more than what I thought, Front row forwards were either really in form or they kind of dropped off the map. The likes of Stefano Udicamano, um obviously kicked on towards the end of the year and he was actually one of the highest scoring, I think. Finished uh, in seventh with 12 points, and but that was all kind of backdated. And then, you know, earlier on, you have your Daniel Saifides who came in in fifth um, but started the year really, really well before that origin call-up. In fourth, Josh Papali. Uh, who, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, he's obviously an origin star and really rises for the big game, but he hasn't really been a super coach relevant player, you know, for very, you know, for a while now. I mean, I guess he's more of a draft option, but uh, on 19 points, um, he finished a clear fourth. In third, and this is an interesting one because I think perceptions of how he's this player's year went would probably suggest he may not be in the top five but very very clearly 23 points to Vita Pangai Jr uh, in third uh, with a big kind of start of the year as well which was when he was at the Broncos 
Uh, in second, Payne Haas only just beat his former teammate um, with 24 points. And again, absolutely barren uh, in the first half of the year. And then, you know, he obviously came good and hopefully, you know, people had him in their sides for the run home because he was absolute dynamite and finished with 24 points. But I think what I would imagine would be the biggest margin of a winning margin in the champions. Um, Isaiah Papali, 50 points, more than double the player that came second in Haas. So, I mean, the guy was a machine, wasn't he? We've spoken plenty about him. He was just ridiculous this season, I think. You're right, we've spoken plenty about him, so I don't think that would have come as any shock to anybody uh, who, who was watching footy this year or playing Supercoach that he would have been the number one front row forward option, uh, you know, even with our Champions scoring system. So, yeah, look, a couple of the names certainly are quite surprising there. I'm surprised Christian Welsh didn't get more love there. Only only eight points, and he only scored in three weeks. Um, so, yeah, I had Welsh for the first half of the year, and he did a really good job. But, again, he was always that slow and steady um, kind of scorer. Didn't really have, the, um, you know, those spikes in his score. Because not really a try scorer, but I tell you who is a try scorer and who finished in equal sixth. Can you guess who I'm about to say? Uh Jared Wallace. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Bears still dirty that yeah, you talked him out of starting with him. Um, yeah, 13 points and and obviously I think he had a double and, and a couple of big uh, games where he got a line break and, and crossed the line as well. So, yeah, 13 points. Uh, he did pretty well, which was equal sixth with Big Tino. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, honestly. Like, yeah, he, he certainly got amongst the attacking stats and – I'll give him credit for that, but honestly, he's one of the most frustrating players. And he was he was frustrating at the Broncos. He's frustrating watch for Queensland uh, when he played Origin, and you know even the Titans. He he'll do one good thing, and then he'll do about three stupid boneheaded things, like giving away the dumbest penalties all the time. Like I don't know, he just frustrates me. <laughs> he does. I completely understand. And actually, I just need to issue a quick correction because um, out of the list of 44 scoring front rowers, I did miss a player who was equal fifth with Daniel Saifidi, um, Mo Fodawaka, who obviously had a great year as well. So not highly owned in Supercoach. He, he wasn't a cash cow and not kind of premium price, but still had a pretty good year regardless. It's just so hard to own him because he was – rotating between bench and you know starting and it just you never really knew where the minutes lay for him as well as for the rest of the the titans forwards and you know most of us own tino we knew what that was like <laughs> so yeah. yeah fair enough so we've got one position left mate and, and obviously it's the big ones the cracker yeah so this is interesting because obviously most of us had two fullbacks locked in for most of the season so of all the voting categories, there was only 15 players that I've got here that I've really included as a fullback option. Uh, and mostly it's because like, I think anybody who had a dual position at fullback, whether it be at 5'8", like Tuehi or you know center wing like a Nico Hines or whatever, I think you would have been playing them in the other position. You wouldn't have clocked up a fullback. So I think this is why the votes were a bit restricted here. Look, no prices for guessing, honestly, the, the players that were relevant here. You know, Tommy Turbo, James Tedesco, Ryan Pappenhausen, Latrell Mitchell, Clint Gutherson, and, you know, there's a couple of left-field options that kind of floated around the fringes. Can I give you a smoky for my top five? Yeah, go for it. The Bulldogs own Matt Dufty. <laughs> 
Look, it's not a bad shout. He's definitely in the mix. Like I said, there's a couple of left field options around those fringes. A few names I'll definitely, you know, rule out straight up. So Dylan Edwards, 19 votes, so not up there. Kalen Ponga, only 18 votes. Obviously missed a chunk of the season through injuries and being disinterested, maybe. (laughs) So he was out there. A couple of other names that were surprisingly high. Reese Walsh, 27 votes. So he, despite, again, missing half the season because he was playing reserve grade at the Broncos before he cracked it and decided to pack his bags and head for the Warriors. Perfect Rocks and Diamonds player to exploit the scoring, though, right? Yeah, look, he, he certainly has. I mean, he's he top-scored one round. Uh, no surprises, it was a buy round, round 17. But then, you know, second, 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 four seconds, basically. So four points on, on four occasions, definitely. Rocks and diamonds there. My boy Ryan Pappenhausen on 27 votes as well. Obviously missed a whole chunk of the season. So to still poll 27 votes is pretty impressive, honestly. What what could have been, mate? Yeah, indeed. My super coach season, really. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, 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 the top five nominees. Uh, so Turbo, Tedesco, Latrell, Gutherson, and Will Kennedy is the most left field option there but he pulled 31 votes to come fifth wow and i was surprised by that because obviously you know there was a few people that took the punt on him a few smart savvy super coaches but it was a, a bold call to to roll the dice on a will kennedy but i mean he had one week where he was the top scoring fullback round 21 so it wasn't even a round where turbo wasn't playing i think <laughs> so for him to to pull that well that that week was impressive I think uh, we also had, he came second in round four. So, yeah, he, he had quite a few good weeks there along the way. It's not just all one votes, which, yeah, he does have a couple of them there. But, yeah, so Will Kennedy in fifth, narrowly edging out the likes of Matt Dufty, uh, AJ Brimson, and, like I said, Pappenhausen and Walsh as well. In fourth, we had uh, Latrell Mitchell. Um, 37 votes. So again, you know, he missed a chunk of the season through suspension and injuries and whatnot. So certainly a, a case of what could have been as well for him. He had uh, two rounds where he was the top scoring fullback, and that's no mean feat, basically to top score any round when you had the likes of Turbo and Tedesco running around being absolutely crazy with their scoring. Yeah, so much for, you know, him and Cody Walker stealing super coach points off each other, right? Yeah, it's really, I found that really interesting. I think they inevitably did, but just the Rabbitohs scored enough points that it didn't really matter, basically. Yeah, PVL. <laughs> That's it. So, yeah, I mean, Luttrell, you know, a lot of people I know will be looking at him for next year, especially with Adam Reynolds gone, assuming Luttrell inherits the goal kicking, which would make him a very interesting option to look at. So, yeah, Luttrell was there. Then in third, uh, Clint Gutherson at 42 points. I think that's fair enough. Like the end of the season was obviously left a bad taste in a lot of super coaches' mouths, and he was promptly sold by most people post Origin. But up until then, like he he pulled zero points for uh, zero votes from round nineteen onwards. So forty two votes from the first eighteen rounds, basically. I think that says a lot about how he went at the start of the season, and especially through the buy period. Uh, you know, four or five weeks in a row where he was polling. Uh, you know, top five scores every single week. So I feel like he kept my team afloat, you know, basically from the first buy through to the last buy. He was he was brilliant. And uh, I didn't have turbo uh, for a lot of that time. So, uh, but the Gutho scoring helped offset the worst of that. 
And, you know, anybody who, who traded him in around round 12, 13 would have really reaped the benefits because, yeah, 13, 14, 15, he was the top, or sorry, he was the second highest score in round 13, the top in round 14, and then the second highest score in round 15. So, yeah, would have been a really good little run there. And then in second, we have James Tedesco, 44 votes. What can you say about Teddy? He was just really, really, really good. Like, he was pretty much almost as good as he was last year. Just it's, it's crazy that he had such a good season and it's not even being looked at because of one other person. <laughs> and he, he started the year, you know, so hot, 162, 111, and then 74, 74, and, and somehow people, you know, knew that, uh, you know, he was running out of puff and obviously the Roosters injuries, you know, impacted a lot of that. But I looked at his pedigree and, and looked at his start and he was one of the few players I actually had from uh, from round one all the way through the year. And he certainly came good at various points, but, you know, the people who got on turbo at the right time, you know, got ahead. Yeah, certainly. And if you had him at different parts of the year, you would have cashed in big time. And like even round 10, 11 and 12. So around 10, he was the top score for that round uh, in terms of supercoach points and for fullbacks. And he outscored Turbo that round. And then round 12, he was the highest scoring fullback as well. And yeah, round 11, he was the fourth highest scoring fullback. So yeah, definitely good stretches there where he was pulling points. Well, yeah, seven tons on the year, as well as a 99 and 97 and a 92. So it's not too shabby. Not at all, but then it's just ignored because it wasn't Tommy Turbo. Because <laughs> that other bloke. <laughs> 60, 60 votes from 15 games. Just insane. Doesn't step onto the footy field until round six. And he has three rests, I think, along the way there. He basically pulled points every single game. There was only one game that Tommy Turbo played that he didn't pull points in, and that was in round 12, where he dropped the 40 against the Knights. And, you know, he maybe had... Uh, wrapped himself in cotton wool, deciding not to risk his in any injuries before Origin. Yeah, it's uh, 15 games played, 11 tons, two of them double tons, including the uh, – sorry, three of them double tons, including the all-time record uh, of 229 in round 25. Um, yeah, what can you say? It, it's it's just one of the, the, the all-time seasons. And, you know, to blitz – a talented field uh, of fullbacks like we've got, probably the most talented position in the comp by a fair amount, but to smash it out like that is just so impressive. So I was working it out. He could have polled a maximum of 75 votes in his 15 games and he polled 60. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. Literally just a, a season for the ages and I don't think we'll ever see anything quite like it. At this stage, I, uh, it's hard to imagine, right? It is hard to imagine, you know, lightning striking twice like that. The the only thing that's going to stand in his way under the current rule set uh, is his fitness. And, and you know, he, he looked to put a lot of that behind him uh, until this year again, where, you know, obviously started with the hammy and then kind of had a few niggles here and there as well. So I guess that brings us to the overall uh, champions, mate. Um, we know who the winners were. We know who, you know, the, the top five place in each, uh, you know, super coach position is. But do you want to walk us through who the top five are? Yeah. So I guess this is where, if you're looking at that flawed scoring system, Cody Walker actually pulled more votes than Turbo, right? 61 to 60. So 
I couldn't stand for that. Like, call me, uh, you know, someone who's working the numbers, massaging the numbers to make it so that we can give Turbo his rightful award for this incredible season he's had. But it's rug- it's rugby league, mate. You yeah, can do what you want. Exactly, exactly. So I, I went through one last time, round by round, top five scores regardless of position. And yeah, it was interesting reading, honestly, the number of uh, scoring. Uh, and, and I was kind of expecting certain players to get there. And I don't know, if you had to pick your top five or your top six, who would have, who would you say would be your, your picks for the champions overall? Turbo, Teddy, Cody Walker. I think Dwayne polled pretty highly, didn't he? maybe Brandon Smith as well. I think, you know, the center wings and the, and the back rowers probably stole too many points off each other, you know, given the the type of field that it was. So yeah, I'd probably, and, and oh, well, yeah, where's Nathan Cleary come? I'd probably leave Cleary off, I think, because he missed too many games. So yeah, I think, and maybe if I had, hadn't sprung that on you, gave you a bit more time to think about it. Remember it's top five scores across all positions. So you're wanting the guys who can hit the the five-point games across the rounds. So Nathan Cleary is in there. Okay. So I guess the the short list comes down to, you know, you you mentioned quite a few of those names. So James Tedesco certainly there. Tommy Topo, of course. Nathan Cleary's there as well. Nico Hines is there, surprisingly. Daly Cherry Evans as well and Ruben Garrick. So they are actually your top options. And so... Again, so a couple of the guys who are on the fringes, you know, Dev Fafita, polled 13 votes on the overall basis there. You've got uh, Alex Johnston with 14. There's also Cody Walker scored 10. But outside of that, there wasn't anybody else who hit double digits aside from the, the other names I brought up there. So, yeah, even the likes of, you know, Josh Adokar, uh, there was a couple of close scores like, you know, Mike Acevo on nine votes. And this, again, just shows how flawed the Dally M scoring system is. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so a tie for third, basically. So on 16 votes, there's three players, Ruben Garrick, Nico Hines, and Nathan Cleary, all mm. 16 votes. So very surprising there. But Cleary had two rounds where he, when he broke the Supercoach record and then followed it up with the 190, pulled five votes each time there. And then he came third a couple of other times to get a 16 for Nico, he had, again, two rounds where he was the top-scoring player of the round, came second once, and I think that was, uh, you know, magic round. And then he was also top four one time. And then Ruben Garrick, we had also top-scoring twice and then came second once and then fourth once as well. So Hines and Garrick scoring-wise polled very similarly. So then we had a tie for second. Well, can I just say, I, I think it's worth mentioning that no one in the history of the game has caught passes from Tom Trevojevic like Ruben Garrick. I mean, my God, that ability to just catch passes and, and cross the line, wow, really deserves it. Well done, Ruben. <laughs> Look, you've got to give him a little bit of credit because he kicked goals pretty well this year as well. It wasn't just about catch and fall over the line. We've got to give him credit for that amazing try of the year. Dally M tried the year, right? He kept the ball alive. The game was over. Who cares? You know, the other team wasn't even, wasn't really assured that they were still playing, but they played on. And <laughs> obviously, Cherry Evans was right there with him. And then Tommy Turbo, Johnny on the spot, uh, just to score the final try. And, and I think. And to get the record. Yeah, exactly. Insane. But yes, um, a tie for second. James Tedesco, Daily Cherry Evans on 17 votes. So both really good seasons. DCE was only top score once and then 
came second twice and third once and then a fifth place uh, in one round as well. Teddy was top scorer twice and then uh, he had a third and then two fourths in there. So that's how his scoring broke down. But look, I think it's fair to say, you know, no surprises there. Second best fullback polling wise and then obviously second best halfback polling wise. They managed to really pull out a lot of the top scores, which is, again, what you need to, to have to score well in this format. But surprise, surprise, on 39 votes, Tommy Turbo. Yeah. <laughs> what a season. One, two, three, four, five top scores across all positions in 15 games so it's almost annoying because the scoring system is so flawed not only for the champions but for the dally m's but it's gonna it's spitting out the right result in the end in a weird way for this season yeah i I think that's the funny thing right it's because this season's been so insane and turbo's played at such a that's like a superhuman level like he's just above anybody else in terms of what he's been able to do and his influence on the game that he's been able to play just to the extent that if you shut him down, like Manly, the sequels have nothing, basically. The moment Turbo shut down and can't do what he's been doing all season to pretty much every other team, the Seagulls don't seem to have an answer. They don't. Just it'll be interesting to see how that's going to play out for you know, this week or maybe the, the following week if they make it. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, so we have gone deep. That's the 2021 Champy M's. Wilf, have we got anything else for the episode? No, just a brief update for the Top Sport NFL Fantasy Charity League. No, see, that that was a lead, mate. Like, I was trying to get you out because I lost <laughs> by, like, less than one point. <laughs> then on my one, too. Just trying to direct you there, buddy. You didn't pick up on the clues. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I, I know you were trying to sneak out by, you know, stepping past it, but unfortunately I had to mention I'm on the board now. Managed to get one over the Whisperer. You were so close. You were so close and you just... Couldn't take revenge for me against Semisonic, but look, it's 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 quite a strong start for Team Supercoach. We've got Semi two and zero. We've also got uh, the combined Delhi Tele- Telegraph team of Trent Copeland and Wilson Smith also on two and zero. Unfortunately, we also prop up the bottom end with yourself there on zero and two, and then uh, one of the NRL fantasy guys on zero and two as well. But everyone else, obviously, one and one. Uh, so it's a really close league. It's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. But as we've mentioned, we'll definitely keep you guys updated as we go. Unfortunately, though, you and I, for some weird reason, we're facing against each other. <laughs> so both of us have just played Super Coach, Team Super Coach guys all three uh, weeks so far. But uh, I'd wish you good luck. But should I? I don't know. Maybe I should give you a charity charity win. I'm, de- the- I'm desperate. <laughs> I'm desperate. Give me something. Uh, we'll have to see. Well, at least, uh, you know, at least next time on one of us will be a winner. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably tie at this point. That's how it's going. That'll, that'll at least get you off the bottom of the ladder, at least. Anyway, <laughs> I think so. All right, guys. Well, so thanks for the chat tonight, Wilf. Uh, really interesting kind of thought experiment with the champions, and I think we might maybe make this an annual thing, uh, even if we do tweak some of our methodology, because I think it's a good uh, examination of Supercoach and its difference to, to the real-life Dally M's and, and the real-life awards season that we're in now. So, um, yeah, I look forward to watching the games this week and catching up with you next week. Cheers for that. See you around, guys. Chat with you soon. Yeah.